0: Well, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Patrick Cotter, Hermain Hartman, Joe Morris, and Chris Roebling. Our program tonight, coming to you from my home base, at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at one 800 723 8029 That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And if you join us on the World Wide Web, BeyondTheBeltway.com, the audio and video portion of this show live every Sunday night, and if you miss it on Sunday nights, it's uh, there uh, for a long, long time to make sure you get your fix of Beyond the Beltway each and every week. Um, The country, again, is shocked because of a shooting this afternoon, 28 people dead uh, in Texas, and Kenny Raymeyer, who's a talk show host on KLBJ, who is on the air in KLBJ in Austin, Texas, before and after us every Sunday night, joins us. Kenny, thank you very much for being with us. I know this afternoon the police have identified the shooter. He's 26 years old. He is dead. We're not going to identify him this evening because I don't think people that do these things need to be celebrityized in any particular way. What is the latest that you know as to any cause or any action uh, regarding this Horrible shooting uh, this afternoon in Sutherland Springs in Wilson County, which is about 30 miles southeast of San Antonio.
1: Yeah, Bruce, thanks. Uh, Governor Abbott and local authorities just uh, completed a news conference right before airtime, so I'll give you the absolute latest from the governor and the local officials. Uh, To your point, uh, there's been no known motive. That we've learned at this point, NBC News has reported the church shooting was not terrorism-related, but the local officials took pains to say that it's too early in the investigation, so known uh, motive at this time is unknown. Uh, Here's what the governor told us, Bruce, the the alleged shooter, and I'm with you on not identifying these guys. We don't want to give them the notoriety. So even though its uh, name has been out there on social media throughout the afternoon, I'm with you. We're not going to uh, say any names at this point. The governor told us the alleged shooter was observed around 1120 Central Time this morning at a gas station across the street from the church. He was observed to be dressed in all black. At that point, he crossed the street, entered the church shooting. The weapon was identified as a Ruger AR-type rifle. Uh, There unknown how many people were in the church. The confirmed deceased we have from the governor was a total of, of 26. There are 20 plus injured and, of, and receiving treatment at area hospitals. The victims dead and injured range in age from age 5 to age 72 of injured, minor injuries to severe injuries and everything in between. Uh, the shooter apparently shot up the church with so many dead and injured. He left the church, was engaged outside the church by a local resident. It's unknown if, uh, if he was shot at that time. Uh, there were 23 deceased in the church, two deceased outside of the church, and one who has since died receiving treatment at medical facilities. So upon leaving the church, the guy fled uh, in, a, in a vehicle of some kind, only about five miles away, he ran off the road into a field, and this was at about the Wilson uh, County line, Guadalupe County line, right in that vicinity. Um, and, and that's where he was found deceased, unknown if, if the engagement with the local resident, law enforcement, or if he took his own life. Those are details we don't have at this point, Bruce. Bruce.
0: The uh, after every one of these incidents, uh, we talk about what what could prevent it. Uh, There doesn't appear to be anything at the moment that would prevent it. But you have been on the air on KLBJ in Austin, Texas, uh, uh, you know, for the last couple of hours. What has been the general tone of your callers reacting to this uh, tragedy in their own backyard?
1: Well, I will tell you that I I purposely screened out and we did not. Uh, take any kind of gun control related calls or anything of that nature. Of was simply trying to follow the fluid investigation, the, the breaking developments, and, and give that information to our listeners. I will tell you what I said on the air, which is a couple of things. I know anecdotally of area churches who take security measures on a weekly basis at their worship services. I'm not going to say which churches, and I'm not going to say what they do. We do know that uh, some of the larger churches, and by the way, this was a very small church in a very small town south-southeast of San Antonio, about 400-some people in the community. Uh, We've been told, on average, worship service around 50 people or so in attendance. So it's unlikely they had anybody in terms of professional security or anything like that. But we know larger churches have had uh, professional security measures, and we also know that there are some parishioners or some congregants in some churches who are uh, armed with concealed carry licenses here in Texas. That would not be a surprise.
0: Kenny, let me ask a question. Joe Morris is here. He is a Republican. He is the uh, former assistant uh, deputy U.S. Attorney General of the United States during the Reagan administration. He has a question for you.
2: Yes, sir. Kenny, picking up on on your pointing out what a small town this was and how, how far outside of San Antonio this was, what can you tell us about the medical services, the hospitals and the like, that were available to survivors? Clearly, from, from what you've told us, there were people who were shot and survived. Uh, I know that I- San Antonio has some large hospitals, including, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a large army, a military hospital that undoubtedly has some expertise in yeah. dealing with gunshot victims. Brooke. What what Brooke. What can you tell us about the medical care that the victims, the survivors, have been receiving?
1: The governor said in the news conference moments ago that an emergency but, medical team came in from San Antonio to assist for the very reason that you mentioned, because in a very small community, not a lot of medical resources available. So he said an emergency medical task force came up from San Antonio. Also had it from the Dallas Morning News that at least six helicopters transported injured to area hospitals. So it would seem the majority were quickly treated on site as best they could, and then taken to area facilities where they could get uh, better care. Mm
0: And the one area where they did end up, and Joe referencing, the Brook Army Medical Center uh, was an intake for many of the victims, and then as you say, uh, they filled in with as many uh, uh, local hospitals. But again, a large number went to to the Brook Army uh, Medical Center. Kenny, listen, I want to thank you very much for your update. Again, uh, Governor Abbott had this press conference literally right before we went on the air this evening. Thank you for monitoring that for us and for your listeners on KLBJ and Beyond the Beltway listeners from coast to coast this evening. I appreciate it. Sorry we have to do it under these terms, but again, we thank you very much for your report this evening.
1: understand, Bruce. Thank you. When we
0: come back, our in-studio guests, we're going to give them an opportunity to respond, and, you know, an interesting thing happened before... We went on the air this evening. I was asking for for final fatality numbers from New York, and we were dealing with the number of 28 people killed today. And someone asked, "Well, how many people were killed in in the Orlando shooting? And how many people were killed in Las Vegas?" We're reaching a point now where just as part of matter of fact conversation, there's so much of this going on in this country. We're getting to the point where we can't even keep track of the numbers. When we come back, let's talk more about that and your reaction as well. 1-800-723-8289 from coast to coast and border to border. This is Bruce Dumont in Chicago. Mr. months back in Chicago. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, and I want to spend a, 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 a few minutes talking, uh, following up on on Kenny Marmer's report. Uh, Patrick Cotter is one of our guests this evening, former Assistant U.S. Attorney uh, in in New York, primarily working in the Brooklyn Queens uh, Long Island area. Uh, Patrick, wh- wh- what's your response to the question? You, you were the you were one of those. We were all participating in the numbers game, trying to figure out how many people have been killed just in the last three or four months, let alone in a week. Yeah what's your take on everything that's going on? One, again, we also put this in context. We have a, you know, a Sutherland Springs, Texas, rural. We have New York City. We have ISIS. We have this guy. We don't know anything about this guy. It doesn't appear to be racially motivated in any way. But what's your take on everything that's going on? Well,
3: I, I have two immediate thoughts. One is that the world has become so small. Uh, through uh, modern media, the Internet, all of that, uh, everybody is everywhere. Everybody can participate in any movement. Whatever craziness you're into or interested in, you can find on the Internet. So some some Uber driver from Passaic, New Jersey, uh, decides one day he's now part of ISIS, and he goes and he takes a van and he mows down eight people riding their bikes in New York City. And some guy in Sutherland, Texas, uh, is watching – what we're all watching mass shootings all the time and he decides in his twisted little head that he wants to be one of those guys there was a time not so long ago where the world was a little different people in small towns didn't get all the news and and they didn't you didn't have people in new jersey joining uh international terrorist organizations based in the middle east so i think i think it's 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 uh one of the darker consequences of globalization
0: and and modern media Chris Roebling also joins us, a WGN television political analyst, a regular guest on this program. Your reaction, Chris?
4: Well, it's just uh, horrific and terribly sad, and I can't imagine those 25 families or the 25 families of the, the folks uh, who were injured. I heard, I heard uh, our correspondent mention a child five years old who was shot, it's inconceivable. And, I, you know, I think back, I'm old enough to remember when we learned, I think, on a Sunday morning of, of, of Richard Speck and what he had done mm-hmm. and the horror that that evoked throughout the entire community and indeed the entire country Mission, and yep. eventually the world. And um, by today's standards, I, who knows what that would evoke? Uh, I'm just stunned and so sad for the for the people who are victimized and their, and their loved ones.
0: Hermaine Hardman, publisher of Indigo Magazine. Your reaction, Hermaine?
5: Well, we need to do something with gun control. I mean, we, this is happening too frequent. Uh, it's it's just too often. And as you pointed out, it's New York riding your bike. If we can't be safe in church, give me a break. Where, where can we be safe? You talked about people going to church now with guns. I know of uh, churches here in Chicago, some of the larger churches, they have a whole security force. That's a sad – that's sad commentary. And I think if, if, if we don't do something about gun control now, I mean, what are we waiting
2: for? Joe Morris? We're waiting for something that gun con- – some problem that gun control can solve, and it doesn't seem that this situation could have been solved by gun control. And certainly the, the madman behind the wheel of a truck in New York City cannot be solved by gun control. Um, I, I think um, uh, mr cotter 's got his f- finger on something important here. Technology and communications are very mm-hmm. good, powerful tools they can be tools tools for good in the hands mm-hmm. of people who want to put them uh, I- to good purposes, but they can also be po- tools of evil and if you 're confronting evil human nature, almost anything can become a weapon. Um, at, at this point, we we can, we can only speculate on what the motives of this particular individual were. Were, were. Was was this a hatred focused on Christians? Was was this was this a, a hatred focused merely on humans? Was there some personal grievance at work here that w- of which we know nothing at this time? But but Hermain is right about th- the fact that wherever people gather, and gather under an identity, mm-hmm. uh, they put themselves in jeopardy of somebody who hates them for the reason of that identity. I'm Jewish. My synagogue spends an enormous amount of money on a security program. We hire right. uh, armed guards, uh, uh, off-duty police officers from various departments, and so on to mount seven days a week. Uh, the, P- the Pulse
0: nightclub in Orlando had they had armed guards protecting uh, uh, the gay dancers and, and patrons. And We're all. all but, but, every, but one of the one of the common denominators here is even even the uh, was referenced uh, uh, by Kenny is that some of those people in Texas and the, the prisoners they may have been packing it's it's they they can do that in Texas they can do it virtually anywhere now so we don't know yet whether they had guns. Defense but me. but the point is one person or two persons with a gun against someone with an automatic weapon as this appears to be the case and, that's and with, the and big, intentionality and with a plan right, that's right and with a plan i mean that's that's part of the you know the, the, so, the disconnect here
4: so we're all soft targets and and uh, Joe and Armin are right. When we we gather, we're we're creating uh, a vulnerability. Okay, and um, and so you get back to the individual and what his situation was, as Joe refers. And you know, I I I think about our society, and I think about the strength of our families. I think about you know, who knew this guy. Uh, who cared about him, if anybody, and maybe nobody cared about him. But, you know, what? where are those elements of society to uh, sort of identify folks who have got problems and to start dealing with that in whatever way, you know, at a but family what, level or at a I guess clinical level, what have you?
0: What can we do, though? Because I, I was listening to Governor Abbott, and, you know, and the president even tweeted out, you know, our hearts go out to the people of the Sutherland Springs, and the governor made the same comment. I mean, the, these are the obligatory... Uh, things that are done by rote now, whenever things like this happen. How do we get beyond that? Because I think what Hermaine is talking about, where is the outrage? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there there was outrage when a racist walked into a church in South Carolina and slaughtered primarily almost all African Americans in church. There was outrage about that. And they found Dylan Root rather quickly. There was outrage about that. But in these other cases, we don't really know—we don't know much about the motivation. Nobody can tell us too much more about, you know, the, the, the guy in, in Las Vegas. I mean, he seemed to be—he was, he was a, a millionaire, maybe even a multimillionaire, had, had you know, at least the, the appearance of, of success. Of what, you know, we don't really know what triggers. And, and, and Republicans frequently—and some Democrats, they like to come back and talk about there's mental illness. Well, in all these cases, I think there's some degree of mental illness, but how do you How do you deal with a mental illness before somebody pulls a trigger
2: in a free society well and where do you direct in a free society where do you direct your preemptive outrage right um, outrage is, outrage is a good thing if you know that there is something wicked you can identify with specificity and try to root it out or educate against it or suppress it or arrest it or interdict it what's your answer to that question joe to, to what, what's the question
0: The, the question is uh, how early how early should there be some intervention or exploratory studies or medical treatments or testing or whatever? I mean, do, do we, we don't know anything about this case. I'm talking about generically speaking. But could we say that if there were testing, let's say, in grammar school, can we identify no. people earlier I, I, I am not, in I am their not prepared lives?
2: to trade in my civil liberties for that level of protection. If, I, if, 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 okay. if, that, if safety is that important to me, I don't deserve to be a free person. I think, I think that ex- danger... Is the price you pay for living in a free society in a free, in a free country uh, I, I want to live in a country where people are free to argue openly about issues to disagree uh, to gather uh, to gather uh, for peaceful purposes, uh, but to gather for controversial purposes that freedom means a lot and it, 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 to, to to try to identify in the cra- in the cradle uh, uh, what uh, what kinds of children have propensities to be um, a criminal and smother them in the cradle, or, or find some way to redirect them, or seize control of them. I think is is a totalitarianism that we are not prepared to accept. Remain.
5: Bruce, the only the only pattern that you see when you see these studies is that these people are usually loners. That's that's really the only thing you see. You and you, they have a gun, and they ha- and they have a gun. Okay, or a truck or and you know. in most and in most
0: eyes. cases, they have access. They have legal access to a gun. To a gun. And this guy, you know, the, 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 the legal oh, access. I think we have to separate the ISIS terrorists a little bit. I mean, you know, he, he walked into Home Depot and rented a truck. But, I mean, what but, are we going to But usually trucks? these
5: guys are loners. They're yes. loners with a gun. And so I don't think predictability, I don't think it's possible. Because these these guys, that's the only pattern that you see is that is that they are loners. And you can say we, we, we don't need gun control. We are getting nuts in this society. You can't go to church without worry or concern about being uh, killed. We're spending money in churches for uh, I've got to carry a gun to church. Come on. That's, that's Patrick. It's outrageous.
3: Well, I, I, I guess I take a kind of uh, I, I'll confess up front I'm a lawyer, so I, uh, I, I, I take a kind of a pragmatic approach. It, we have a problem. And as with any problem, you have to first look at what are the causes, and I don't think it's any one thing. I don't think it's gun control Mm -hmm. is not the solution. First of all, the Supreme Court says people have a right to a gun. That's not going to change. Second of all, I don't think that just psychiatric care is the solution, but I think they're both part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And I think what needs to happen is a more holistic approach. Uh, obviously, I don't believe in kind of a minority report uh, program of trying to identify potential criminals before they commit a crime. But I do think that there's, a, there's a, a lot of sense to recognizing that we as a society have a lot of mental illness and we're not addressing it adequately. So I think what we need to do is stop fighting over whether people should or shouldn't have guns or should or shouldn't have uh, mental health. I think everybody can. We we could easily all reach a point where we agree in this situation. This is a place and a time where people shouldn't have certain kinds of weapons, and I'm sure we could all agree that this is a place at a time where there should be better psychiatric and mental health uh, services. So I, I I hope that sometime someday, if we're not, if we ever get over our sort of uh, massacre fatigue, which I think is why there's less and less outrage. I mean, it's like soldiers in a war. The first guy to get killed, it it shakes everybody up the 15th guy, you just have to move on. You have to do your job. And I think that's what's happening to society. We're becoming numb to this. But I think if we could let go of some of these old arguments, uh, maybe it's just a vocabulary. Stop talking about gun control and start talking about managing uh, our, our Second Amendment rights in a reasonable way. Talk about uh, giving people
0: the kind of mental health they need. We've got to pause. 1-800-723- Bruce Dumont in Chicago. Thanks for joining us tonight. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. The events in Texas, obviously, have uh, forced us uh, to focus on that in a couple of segments uh, on the broadcast this evening. The other big story before that was uh, the actions of a Uzbek uh, terrorist uh, speaking uh, or doing his d- d- dastardly act in the name of ISIS. Uh, Patrick Cotter, how should the person who was involved in that, how should they be prosecuted? Should it be the f- through the federal system or, as some have suggested, should he be viewed as an enemy combatant, since he's alive and well and maybe can, can tell us and our agencies a little bit about his background and what might have motivated him?
3: Well, first of all, our criminal justice system doesn't usually uh, send people away to different systems because of their motives. People commit crimes for all sorts of reasons. Uh, the other thing is, is that the criminal justice system has done an, uh, an astounding job of successfully prosecuting uh, people who've carried out uh, terrorist actions over the last 10, 15 years. Finally, there's nothing about the criminal justice system that can't uh, result in a lot of cooperation from uh, the people they prosecute. Uh, We've we've done that. I've done that. Everybody who's ever prosecuted has done that. And finally, I am very much opposed to the idea of uh, granting these um, people uh, the status of an enemy, enemy combatant. That's exactly what they want. They want to be seen as soldiers. They want to be seen as part of an army. They are criminals. They are thugs. They are, they are vicious criminals who should be prosecuted like all the other vicious criminals we prosecute, um, and I think it would be a terrible mistake to send the message to every enemy of America in the, in the world that if you come here, we're going to treat you like a soldier. We're going to treat you like an enemy combatant and give you that kind of status. I don't think they deserve it and they shouldn't get it. Joe Morris.
2: I agree with that. Enemy combatant status is something that ought to attach to behavior on a, on a battlefield. We don't want to send a message that we view the United States of America, the homeland, as we say these days, as, as, as a battlefield,
0: there's a third option. Senator Graham is wrong. You made a big point today. Senator Graham basically said that the, the, the Trump Justice Department was acting just like the Obama Justice Department in the treatment of the Uzbeki uh, uh, guy in New York.
2: And I would hope it's acting just as the George W. Bush Justice Department or the George H.W. Bush Justice Department, the Clinton Justice Department, or, or my, the Reagan Justice Department, in, in doing what a Justice Department should do. And that includes considering a third option which is no federal prosecution whatsoever, but leaving it to the state to prosecute. This was, there, were, there were a bundle of state crimes, New York state crimes that were committed. New York state authorities are perfectly competent to investigate the matter. There are excellent prosecutors in the state of New York and excellent laws of the state of New York that control this matter. A serious serious consideration ought to be given as whether or not it needs to be prosecuted at the state or the federal level, or conceivably both. But the, 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 certainly the pros, 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 prospect of state prosecution for state crimes should not be ruled out.
4: Chris Roebling? Well, I think this is an I, –
2: I, I have nothing to add on the legal question because
4: jurisdiction is their, is their metier. But I want to say uh, internationally, you know, ISIS has got an arc of uh, development and growth and then, and then sort of, I think, a, a, a halcyon period and then a, a decline. And we're certainly into a decline now that has been precipitated by a more aggressive uh, uh, determination – by a variety of international actors to focus on rooting it out in areas where it actually has uh, jurisdiction, to get back to that name. Um, and, and and that denies it, this sort of caliphate. And so ISIS, which is sort of seeking its own level, is now back onto the Internet actively trying to get people to go out there and to do these uh, individual attacks, which I think is important that we don't call lone wolf attacks because they're not lone wolf attacks. No. These individuals are acting in concert with something... The, a community they perceive virtually from their interaction on the Internet, and it is a, a – it is a, a At a, a minimum, and, and we don't know enough to rule r- 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 out the possibility that there, was, there were deeper uh, – Right, and and that has come up in the case of the, the this latest New York incident. But uh, in some respects, and this is no comfort whatsoever to the loved ones in New York to whom our hearts go out, but in some respects the fact that they are reduced to this kind of thing indicates – their Their decay curve and their growing weakness, but it has to also tell the rest of us that there's a lot of vigilance necessary uh, on the investigation side in the cyber realm
0: in in each of these cases, whether we're talking about a potential lone wolf in Texas, and we don't know that positively right now, or we're talking about someone who is acting you know on, on, on his belief in ISIS in New York. Do we have situations here because one used w- went down and rented a, a pickup truck, and the other one just walked into a you know a, a state where there's lots of guns? Uh, are we talking about something that's going to happen just again and again, and there really is no significant way to stop it? And every success that we have on the battlefield is going to result as, as they are fighting for for hearts and minds. If we are defeating them on the battlefield, they're going to be they're going to be renting trucks and 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 running down people, whether it's in Paris or Nice or or you know Copenhagen or or Chicago,
5: and, or New York. And and we're and we as a society are becoming very blasé to them. I mean, we're reporting these things almost every other week. I know, and, uh, and we're not reporting. But can
0: we? But but is there anything we can do about it? I yes, mean, it you is. You can't ban you keep, trucks. You
5: keep saying don't don't do gun control, but.
0: I'm talking about. I'm talking about trucks. I'm talking about people that wield machetes, you knives. Know, what's what's yeah, happening in, in London? We have is been. There's been probably bombs, more people killed knives. bombs and there, everything there's else. There's
2: a mantra that you hear all the time. Uh, for example, here here in Chicago on the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority. Mm. If you see something, say something. It, people, airports coast to coast. You hear this. If you see something, say something. Pumped over the loudspeaker system all the time. Uh, th- 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 if you see something, you say something. Doctrine permeates our society these days. Uh, there have been recent controversies in Chicago, in New York, in California about the f- misreporting or failure to report or failure to acknowledge reports of child abuse, um, f- f- people failing to recognize and failing to report sex abuse. Yeah. and so forth. Because we have not yet come to grips with what, if you say something, if you see something, say something means. That is, how, when the information is received, it should be processed.
0: Harvey Weinstein knows that.
2: Well, he's learning something about it, but we're, 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 it's a jerry-rig thing being, right. being being invented and cobbled together as we, as we watch. Um, here, here, there's a huge scandal in Illinois going on right now about failures to report child abuse, deaths of children that result when people who know something fail to say something, or people who who know something and say something are fail uh, don't are not heard by to. the authorities. Who yeah. Should be should be listening to them. We, we need to get better at processing. The saying something and what's done when something is said well, in a way that is, is respectful of civil liberties, but is but is uh, results in efficient protection of people who need to be protected. We we, yes. do, we
4: talk about politics on the show, and, and 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 you know I think this is where Trump. If you put aside the partisanship and the rancor that overtakes Washington in so many conversations. We need an administration, whether it was Hillary's administration right now or Donald Trump's administration or, you know, uh, Patrick's. Whoever is president at this moment needs to be looking at how these folks are screened and and what are we actually learning about these people and what type of descriptions are we uh, um, compiling about these individuals and their background and their proclivities. People don't have a constitutional right just to come to the United States. We have a right to decide which immigrants to accept. And and that's inviolable. And we have not really, putting all partisanship aside, I think you could say for the last eight or ten or twelve years, who knows how exacting those reviews have been.
3: Patrick. With all due respect, I think that completely misses the point. Uh, the guy in New York uh, has been here 10 years. Uh, any any vetting that would have been done of him 10 years ago wouldn't have found anything. Um, the guy in, in Texas who we're talking about, he was born here. The issue is, in my opinion, if we're talking about terrorism, I mean obviously you can't protect yourself from a crazy person who you know, wakes up one day and takes a gun and attacks a church. But I think we have to start thinking about ourselves in a much more realistically war mode. We are in a, in a war against terrorism, and it it touches on your point that that saying "if you see something, say something." You know where that started? That was in London in World War II, right? And that's because they needed people to be looking out for that. And I think Americans need to start realizing that we are in a war against terrorism, and we have to take that at attitude. I think the government is doing this, but I think they need to put more resources into these people are being communicated with from overseas. And they've got to find ways to monitor that. I don't think we should waste our resources trying to uh, talk about super vetting. Um, Of course we have to vet, but I mean, there's only so much you can do. You don't know what's going to happen to a guy 10 years after he comes here. But what we can be monitoring is the internet traffic coming in from overseas. What we can be monitoring is that, because that appears to be a link on a lot of these terrorist actions. But and that's and I realize there are civil liberties implications. Um, I, I consider myself a civil libertarian, but we are at war. And in all wars, civil liberties have to uh, make some room for security, and I think that's where we should be putting our emphasis.
5: Well, we're talking about two separate things. The ISIS people, I agree with you. That's war. I, I agree with you. That's terrorists. But the guy in Las Vegas, he's an American citizen. He's a successful American right. citizen by all all standards, measures, all right. means, all measures. He was a successful guy. We don't know a lot about this guy from Texas, but that's not. Uh, he he's not in war. We're not at war with him. That sound that he sounds like. Uh, an American citizen yeah. who went crazy well, for well, whatever one whatever one size reason was won't fit
0: all of this. That's, right. That's, that's right. right. that's right.
5: It's not either. It's not either or. No, no. It's a lot Two of both things,
0: hands. Well, uh, so
2: so if if we're if we're going to hive off the the, the sort of the domestic uh, madness uh, cases, uh, there is a there is a variety of if you see something, say something that, that that's applicable there. That is to say, along the way, family, teachers, uh, spouses, others need to be attentive to possibilities of danger and those vibrations need to be taken seriously by the lawyers, the teachers, the caregivers, the police officers, the physicians uh, and so forth with whom they come in contact. But but Patrick has, has opened, I think, a door to a really important conversation I agree we need to have. And we're going to have it right after these messages. Don't go away.
0: <laughs> 1-800-723-82 a very important conversation. Coming up, Joe's going to ask the question to Patrick when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Joe Morris picking up on your
2: point. Go ahead. Uh, Patrick pointed out that there's a lot of information that comes into this country from overseas by the Internet and other channels uh, from people with whom we're at war, trying to stimulate people in this country to take up that cause. Uh, The flow of information of that kind is recently, we just had this huge dump of a couple hundred thousand documents that were were recovered from the uh, uh, attack on Osama bin Laden's residence. Um, And that's got to be... That's got to be parsed, but but over the years we've seen a lot of stuff coming in to the United States from overseas. Thirty years ago, before I was at the Justice Department, I was the chief of staff and the general counsel at the United States Information Agency, and then crossing my desk every day were countless I mean, scores on a daily basis of attempts by the Soviet Union to influence domestic politics in the United States. Mm-hmm. We saw disinformation, misinformation campaigns of all kinds posing as the media of the day. We didn't have an Internet. We didn't have social media. But we had people posing as authentic news reporters when they weren't. A lot of our domestic politics in the last year or two have been roiled by the question of the extent to which the Soviet successors, the Russian government, have been trying to influence American politics. I tell you, Bruce, they have been. And they have been doing it for decades, and they haven't stopped. They they did it with
4: John Adams at the beginning of the 19th century. And if you know a thing about Russian history, you know, I mean, uh, Potemkin, who worked for Catherine the Great, uh, was doing it in Poland. I mean, uh, Gregory Potemkin had four different foreign policies towards Poland. I I mean, anybody who doesn't understand Russia's will to power
0: doesn't get it. I would like to continue this, but... It's a little longer than 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me go back to Patrick well, uh, I wanna, Cotter. Wait, wait, what, no, I, I want to go back to Patrick. Patrick Listen a minute, point and Patrick, I'm coming back at him. Patrick Cotter Hard. is wait. asked the question. You're a former assistant United States attorney. What is your reaction to Mueller's activities last week in the indictment of Paul Manafort? Is that all they have on Paul Manafort? No.
3: No, I think this is— What's one, happening? Tell I, us what's happening. I, I, it's the opening round in a campaign. Uh, It's a campaign to move the investigation forward. This is very normal. There's nothing extraordinary about it. I will say it's a little quicker than most big uh, investigations get to indictments. Five months is quick, but it's the opening round. It's to send a message to everybody that they're going to talk to in the future that we are serious. We can put together very strong, solid cases where people will face time, and if you lie to us, we will probably know it uh, and therefore, therefore it is an opening gambit to send a message and to advance the investigation
0: to see how far up the ladder they can get. How important is Papadopoulos? Is is he the bigger fish last week? He's the bigger news last week, absolutely,
3: because he's cooperating and because he's confessed and because he was a part of the campaign. So for the first time, they've established a link between Russian attempts to interfere and people in the campaign accepting those attempts. And at least, according to the plea, which Mr. Papadopoulos swore to, uh, he, Mr. Papadopoulos, was trying to make that happen.
0: Now, as an I, I, I want to ask one follow up. As as an attorney, you're also a Democrat, but you're an attorney. Yes, sir. Do you believe there has to be the same type of vigilance and aggressiveness in pursuing the Steele memo and where those where the fingerprints and the footprints go in the, in the in the Steele dossier and to what extent the Democrats were involved in creating it and helping it. Mr. Mueller
3: is a Republican who ah, was appointed ah, by a Republican. That's fake news. It is not. That As is fake fact, news. It, well, and yelling won't make it uh, true. Uh, Mr. Mueller is a Republican appointed by a Republican who was appointed by a Republican. He is a career prosecutor of the highest integrity. Anyone who ever worked in justice knows that, and he will follow the evidence he, where the evidence leads. And if it leads it to Democrats, state, if it, 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 it no, what what I don't think anything stakes. I think there's an investigation going on, and everybody should stop trying to figure out where he should end up and
4: let the man follow the evidence, and then we'll all know. I think he's conflicted. Is this
5: the beginning of the end for Donald Trump?
4: No. All right. Here's why I say no, because I truly believe what Paul Ryan said today. They're going to pass tax cuts, and I think that this framework that they've worked out with the Senate is going to yield a Senate – approval, and then there's going to be a signature by the president in the Rose Garden, and the tax cuts, I think, will revive the economy. I think what matters for Trump's prospects in terms of uh, impeachment, non-impeachment, all this kind of stuff, is whether or not the House goes Democrat next year, and I think if tax cuts get passed, then that pretty much closes the door on that. With respect to Mueller, it is is meaningless to me for anybody in those precincts to be called Democrat or Republican. He's an establishmentarian. Number two, I think the guy is utterly conflicted, and I think he failed to disclose, and I think he ought to be fired immediately, as should Weissman, as should Rosenstein. And I think that not just because of what's going on. I I have consistently publicly said we should have a— Investigation. Even though I think Patrick, you would have to admit there is no predicate act, and if you're going to sit here and tell me in November of 2017 that the predicate act was Papadopoulos, who was not—I believe you are—you are bootstrapping him into a position he never held with the campaign, and it's absurd to look at Papadopoulos to look at the facts and to then say this is some kind of big link to the campaign. Okay, wait, Patrick, wait let it, let is it, it is. Hold, no, 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 hold no, no, on, let, let him finish. No no no, 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 no. Wait, Let him finish, no, no, finish then we're going to Go ahead.
3: Back. It is no meaningless come back to, to attack an investigation at the beginning. Investigations have to be allowed to mature. Then you can look and see what it is. To start talking about predicates and things is silly. No one's brought a RICO, so there is no predicate. It's not even a legal issue yet. There may never be one. We have to wait. This is what big investigations do. When I went after the Gambino family, we didn't do it all at once. It took years,
4: and there were you multiple have a lot of prosecutions. Predicates. You and had a and lot they of built over. They time. killed people. They extorted people. You they know, yelling, yelling
3: doesn't get to the truth. And the truth louder you yell, the less you no had predicates with the Gambinos. The louder you yell, the weaker this, your position. Steal memo right, him, is why him you're yelling. Let,
0: let him talk. The
3: point is, all criminal investigations have to be given time to develop. Once an indictment comes down and we see the final indictments, you can attack the indictments. But to talk about weaknesses and indictments that haven't been brought yet
0: is meaningless. It's a pointless point.
1: No, if Patrick is right, if the people
4: are not conflicted. These guys are
0: conflicted. Chris, Chris, on that note of disagreement, we're going to say farewell with you for our number one of our show. (laughs) I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. More to go. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at
1: museum.tv.
0: Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dubon with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics featuring occasional injections of rumor innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Patrick Cotter, Hermaine Hartman, Joe Morris, and Chris Roebling. Our program tonight, coming to my own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, where our toll-free lines are open at one 800 723 289 if you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And again, if you want to join us on the World Wide Web audio and video, it is beyondthebeltway.com. Now, for those people who are listening to us on radio this evening at the moment, and for those people that are listening to us on the Internet at beyondthebeltway.com, let me mention that once upon a time until last week, you would also be able to watch this as a television show. ...at midnight on WYCC in Chicago. But WYCC has gone dark, which means it's off the air. So you can no longer watch this show at midnight on WYCC in Chicago. But if you're hooked to the television version, you want to watch the TV version... ...you go to beyondthebeltway.com, beyondthebeltway.com... ...you can watch and listen to the show live every Sunday night... And you can also go to that website, and you can watch and listen to it whenever you want. So beyondthebeltway.com, if you are compelled to see what we're talking about in addition to listening to us on America's great radio stations, go to the website beyondthebeltway.com. And again, if you live in the Chicagoland area, you will also be able to watch us the following week on Comcast Cable. Hopefully I've not confused anybody, uh, but uh, I want everybody if you want to see what we look like That's how you do it. I want to come back to, uh, there's so much to talk about. One of the big stories literally in the last just, you know, couple of days has been Donna Brazile has come out with a new book. She is the former head of the Democratic National Committee. She was a commentator on ABC and CNN for a long time. And she has come out with a book called Hacks. It is a blistering indictment of what she found at the DNC. And in this book... uh, Chapter after chapter, she lay, lays out a case that the Democratic Party structure was set up to, and controlled by the Hillary Clinton campaign from the very start, and that Bernie Sanders never, ever had a chance to go anywhere because of the inside job. She went on to say a lot of other things, which we'll talk about, but Hermaine Hartman, uh, uh, this is one of the leading lights of the Democratic Party, always been lionized by virtually everyone, Today she's being castigated by a lot of Democrats for how dare, you know, tell tales out of school or why are you doing this or what's, what's the different, you know, what happened between you and Hillary that you're dishing all this dirt. But, I mean, this is more than just a speck of dirt. This is a wheelbarrow full of dirt on the Democratic Party. I don't
5: think it's dirt. I think it's maybe truth. I think it's true. Well, truth, dirt be, can be truthful. Truth be told. Uh, I, one of the things that I found most surprising is uh, the statement that she wanted to take Hillary out of the campaign completely and put Biden in uh, as the president. Not after
0: that, after she collapsed on September 11th in right, New York not, for health reasons,
5: not that she could do it. I mean, it's not it's not the DNA's rule to just do that. That has processes yeah. to go through but uh that was the uh, that was the real surprise element out of the book uh, so far as Patrick, I've, as I've read
0: it you're a Democrat uh, you know about skullduggery and, and, and campaigns uh, not you, because I'm a Democrat not, no 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 not, <laughs> no but but you were, you, were, you were an astute observer of what happens politically sure. I mean, this is a this is a pretty devastating indictment of the Democratic Party by by one of their leading lights
3: yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm most reminded of uh, Will Rogers' famous statement. He said, I'm not a member of any organized party. I'm a lifelong Democrat. Uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is an indictment of the organization, um, of the hierarchy. And I think if it helps to force the Democratic Party to find a way to get in better touch with what most Democrats want, I think it's a good thing. I don't know what her motives are. I don't know how
0: true it is. I I, I don't move in those circles. Do you think it's but, an indictment I mean, of Hillary Clinton as well? It's, I, no. I don't know how you I, separate. I mean, clearly, I mean, Hillary Clinton was yes. involved in it. I mean, she was she was involved in a in perpetual. In fact, I would even ask the question. I mean, is there any degree of fraud involved in this? Given that that f- the way the fundraising went.
3: well, I haven't heard Brazil say anything about fraud. Um, no. I've heard what she said is that Hillary and her her forces manipulated the rules of the Democratic Party to. Uh, basically grease the skids for her all the way. Um, I'm shocked, shocked, of course, to discover that Hillary's a politician. But uh, that's what politicians do. That's what even a few Republicans do. Everybody tries to use the rules to get the nomination. Um, I think what it's an indictment of, and, and it certainly doesn't reflect well on Hillary and her team, but what it's an indictment of is the party. It's an indictment of the rules. It's an indictment that anybody could do this that we had a party that had rules that allowed this to happen, that the people who were supposed to be watching didn't do their job. And and so, yeah, I mean, it's bad, but I I actually see it as a positive thing because I think the party shouldn't have nominated Hillary in the first place. I don't think she was really the right candidate. I don't think she represented what most Democrats wanted. And I think that what Brazil is showing is, is
0: partly, at least apparently, how it happened. I think we have two guests that would agree with you. It's a very positive thing. Joe Morris, uh, one of our two Republicans tonight.
2: One of the big differences between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is when when the Democrats skew the rules to try to achieve a certain effect, they usually do it. They usually achieve the effect effect that's desired. In this instance, the the rules were skewed in order to grease the skids for Hillary Clinton's nomination. The Republicans were were manipulating the rules the last few years, probably on behalf of Jeb Bush. It didn't work out, I'm told. I'm told it didn't work out. Something else happened. Um, Donna Brazile is somebody I've respected for a long time. I've had a little bit of personal interaction with her, not a lot, but but it's all been positive, And she's always struck me as being a straight shooter. Uh, she uh, received a great deal of public attention in the last year or so for a very serious admission against interest. She told the truth about something that did not put her mm-hmm. in the best possible light when she admitted – that when she was moderating in her capacity as a representative of the supposedly neutral national media, a presidential debate, she slipped a question that was supposed to be asked as a surprise question in advance to candidate uh, Clinton, the Democratic nominee. Uh, she, can, she fessed up. Uh, that, that showed character, and I was impressed by that. Now, I have always, I have long believed that the Clinton family and the Clinton Foundation are a criminal enterprise. Uh, I believe uh, that they have been trading on their public office and access to public office to make decisions and to give access that in turn would benefit people who would make contributions to the Clinton Foundation, to launder those contributions, making contributions to the Clinton Foundation to provide perches on which future Clinton campaign operatives could have homes and payrolls while waiting for the campaigns to materialize. I believe that in the course of the 2016 campaign, the American people sidestepped the merger of the clinton criminal enterprise with the government of the united states and that was a good thing the price we're paying for it is the trump administration i think it was a good thing
4: Mr. I, I have friends i was raised a democrat i've got family members who supported bernie sanders and they asked the question as did democrat primary voters all over the the country is this on the square and they were told repeatedly it's on the square it's on the square and we now know thanks to donna that after about September 1st of 2015 It was not on the square They were running a game And the chumps were the Democratic primary voters And I think oh, But it, it,
0: is, it wasn't on the square long before that we, I, We've I got know, to pause but, uh, we're, talking we're going about to follow the up on it 1-800-723-8289 I'm Bruce Dumont Bruce Dumont back in Chicago A question to, to our Democrats Uh this new book by uh, Donna Brazil called Hacks, um, is, it, is it really a, a death knell to the party? Is it a stake? I mean, we, we know the Democratic Party is getting over the, uh, the, the combative nature of the primary. Hillary wins the primary. She loses the election, disappoints a lot of people. The, the Bernie Sanders people were saying throughout the campaign, they thought the campaign was rigged. And now the former head of the DNC acknowledges in a book that it really was rigged. So the anger out there has is, is got to be just in incredibly deep. And how does the Democratic Party put itself back together again? Because I would think that with this book as their manifesto, they literally could drive a stake through the, the Hillary Clinton wing of the party. Get rid of them all. You could do, and so it the so the party becomes more progressive, more left, and and in doing so, does it end up in a majoritarian position, or does it end up feeling feeling their oats because they control a party that may not be able to win a national election?
5: Bruce, let me suggest something. You could do the same thing with Trump. The Republican Party is destroyed too. Bush is. Really no,
0: it's not. Yes, it's. Let, let's talk about the oh, Democratic. Wait, oh, wait Let's oh, talk wait. about the Democratic because you're an expert in the Democratic Party. Oh,
5: really? Oh, okay, let me give you an arch. Okay. I think American politics is being reset in both parties. Trump didn't win because he was Republican. Trump won because right. he was a reality TV guy. That's why he won. Trump won because of algorithms. That's why he won. Hillary lost the election. It could have been it was it was if it was ski it wasn't it didn't it didn't work in her favor. Bernie probably would have been a better candidate because he was the antithesis of Trump. I agree. Okay, whereas Hillary was as old school as old school could get. She was a traditional Democrat. Okay, I thought, I thought at one point that women would galvanize for Hillary on, you know, the first woman president. That didn't, that didn't happen. Hillary made some mistakes along the way. I would dare say one mistake was uh, not including Bill Clinton in the campaign more than than, than Mm -hmm. she did. But I think a second really huge mistake was she gathered black women who had lost their children – in uh, some horrific um, acts, they were killed by policemen, mm-hmm. they were killed by drive by shootings, and paraded them.
0: They were props
5: they were props, and it was like they were trophies. It was like there was something very uh, significant and called them women of the movement. What movement are you talking about killing black boys on the street? is that was that the movement? I never did get that. That was insulting. it was disrespectful. It was hurtful, and it was like, what the hell is this? What when are you doing?
0: When you're putting, when I say you, I mean Democrats, when they're trying to put the pieces of the party back together again, the dynamic that I see out of this book is you have a respected, longtime leader, a leading light of the Democratic Party.
5: Donna Brazil.
0: Donna Brazil. She writes a book, and she spills all the beans, and, and, and the— and I saw it on the TV shows today, the, the Clinton apologists, they're questioning her motive. Why did she do this? Uh, she why, you know, why did she turn on the party? Again, they don't like the messenger, so they're, they're going to shoot the messenger right now. But in doing so, and this is a dynamic that exists within the party, what does it do to the African-American vote within the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. the most loyal part of the party? What does it do to black Women in the Democratic Party, how do they view white women in the Democratic party and do they look at donna brazil's indictment as being somewhat racially charged in any way at all at all
5: black women look at it as how as being do black women charged?
0: view the fact that here here is someone who is african american she's a woman she has she is giving us her truth. We don't know if it's the truth. She's giving us her truth. It's It's a significant part of history now as to what happened in the 2016 election, one of the most cataclysmic elections in the history of the country. And now you have an African-American woman saying, basically, her predecessors, Hillary Clinton, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Robbie Mook, and the Clinton establishment, they were out to to rig the election and and push Bernie Sanders out of the way. How is there a racial component to this as far as how people
5: will react to it? That's a great question. I don't think so. Donna Brazil comes from. Her rise uh, at the national level was from the Jesse Jackson campaign. Mm-hmm. Right? You you do remember that. Yes. All right. So Donna got to the the, the top of the heap uh, as a Democrat. I think people will look her, look at her as a Democrat, but Donna Donna is very straightforward. Uh no chasers. Donna gives it to you straight. I think we're looking at a true a true story. I don't think it'll be racial. Patrick, I don't think it'll I don't think it'll be racial.
3: I I I have no idea whether it'll be racial or not. But I, you I do I,
5: know but you do know that within the Democratic Party you do have splinters between the way white people look at some things and the way black people well, look at some things. Well, she references that at some point— You play plantation politics, and I think Donna has spoken to that.
0: She referenced in the book that somehow at one point they, that she thought that they were treating her like a slave. That they were treating like 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 oh. like she I I don't know whether For she specifically mentioned Robbie Mook, but she talked, she talked she talked about, about true. She talked about the Brooklyn folks, the folks in Brooklyn, which is the headquarters of right. Hillary Clinton. How about the Chicago folks, they were they were they were treating her like a like a slave.
3: The the thing I wanted to say is that I think that um we all have seen many examples of institutions, bigger and smaller. Uh, where the entire uh, administration that's been in power for a long time uh, is is destroyed by a scandal mm-hmm. and defeat and, and lack of success. And uh, the solution is always, frankly, the same. You have to throw the scoundrels out. You have to start over. You have to redefine who you are. And I think what the Democratic Party proved in '16 is that we had lost our way. We didn't have a vision. We had a, a candidate who felt entitled, who had a lot of powerful friends, and who ran the organization, and and that became our our campaign. Instead of ideas, we had we had somebody who who felt they were owed it. By the way, we have to have ideas. Let me
0: just interject. Yeah. that M.O. that the Democrats that you just that you just defined, that's the M.O. the Republicans used for years. They used it for John McCain. They used it for Bob Dole. Whose whose who's ever turn was next? Right. It was supposed to be Jeb Bush this year, and the Republicans said the hell with it. Right, And the Democrats wanted to say the hell with it if they voted for Bernie Sanders, but again, the election was rigged. Against I,
3: them. I agree with you completely, and my point is just this, is that I think that at least the Democrats, I don't know what the Republicans will do. I don't know what lessons they'll take from 16, but I, I know what the Democrats have to do if they want to be successful. They have to uh, throw these people out. They have to stop living in the past. They have to actually come up with a vision and try to sell it to the American people. Now, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Include
0: Nancy Pelosi?
3: No, no. Nancy Pelosi should be gone. I think think all the leadership should be gone. The the the, they're they're too old. They've been there too long. I know what everything they're going to say before they say it, and I may even agree with them. But I'm tired of hearing them simply mouth the same things over and over and over again. It is – there are plenty of younger people in Congress who are ready to step forward. There's people like Diana DeGette in Colorado who's, who's been there forever, and she is brilliant and smart and funny and sharp, and she can't get a minute on TV because there's no way to get – in front of a camera when Nancy's around. And and the point is is that there are plenty of people in the Democratic Party who have visions for the future that are different than just trying to uh repeat the Clinton years. And and if we listen to them, we have a good story to tell. Now maybe the American people will reject it, maybe they won't, but at least we'll be honest, at least we'll be selling something that we believe in, and it won't just be whose turn is it next? By
0: the way, a quick thing and I want to get to the rebel Russian this is as far as booking national shows. If you're the booker of a national talk show, I'm talking about Meet the Press, Face the Nation, you generally you you want the biggest member of the party, so you will always go to Nancy, or you'll go to Chuck, or you're going to go to uh, on the Republican side to Mitch McConnell, or you'll go to the you know the Speaker. <laughs> you will always go to those forces, and by doing that, I think. You are doing a disservice right. to your listeners, to the party, by not giving airtime to other voices within the party who may agree or disagree with, with, uh, with their leadership. Like a Tim Ryan in Youngstown, Ohio, as one example, there's the the re- representative of the Judicial Reference, I'm not familiar, I but but and there are there are those in the Republican Party. You know, where there's Peter Roskam. There's other people that deserve more airtime than just you know the 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 big four, Joe Morris.
2: Let me say something first. As an American, as an American, American, as an American, I want there to be a robust and stable and coherent uh, Democratic Party that speaks to the needs of the American people. Because the competition between the two parties is part of the system of checks and balances that keeps government in check, in restraint. I worry about the power of government, excessive power of government, and I think competition between the parties is a healthy thing in terms of exposing stuff and uh, and, and making sure that politicians in office do what they ought to be doing. Now, having said that as an American, now let me sharpen my fangs as a Republican. Uh, of course, it's dangerous to be jumping into the middle of some, some other party's um, uh, fight when it's doing an excellent job of ripping itself to shreds. But I think f- f- for that very reason, cautions are necessary on the part of myself and f- fellow Republicans. There are three good reasons why the Democratic Party is not going to implode. Uh, the first is there has to be an opposition, um, if, if nothing else, f- for reasons of checks and balances, but also because uh, somebody uh, has got to be there to pick up the pieces when the Republicans do something stupid and people say, hey, we need to change. Even if it's only for the next two years, the next four years, we need somebody else to put in office. There always has to be an opposition. There's a market Mm -hmm. for Second reason, uh, there has to be a left. There has to be somebody speaking for the left. Uh, Third reason, the most important is, this is the United States of America. It's a federal system. There are state and local Democratic parties that have nothing to do with these national issues. Back shortly from Chicago.
0: Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience Day through Sundays, and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Here's Dumont back in Chicago, uh, and uh, during the break, Hermaine uh, Hartman wanted to make a point.
5: We were talking about the Democratic Party and uh, Donna Brazile's uh, book and her revelations. And one of the things I was saying is that uh, one of the things the Democrats have done and they need to stop uh, is play plantation politics. And that just – that that needs to cease. And I think that has contributed maybe to some downfall.
0: How have they done it in your view?
5: Um um, through the through the the campaign patterns, and I think that 's something that Donna Brazil is speaking to, as you said mm-hmm. earlier that uh, she felt like she was being treated like a slave in some instances uh, i 've seen that i 've seen that up close and and, and personal and it 's insulting uh, it 's stupid and it, it it does it does no good in two thousand and seventeen It does no good
0: you know where th- this book is about uh, whether or not Hillary and her uh, her team were able to grab the uh, the reins of power of the DNC, and 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 basically foist on the American people this sort of fraudulent uh, primary because it was all rigged against Bernie Sanders. The one thing we haven't talked about tonight is this thing that's dominated this campaign, dominated the 2016 campaign from from the mid campaign on, and that is the role of the Russians. Mm. Uh, what 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 can we make of whether the sure. Russians were aware of what was going on here. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, clearly the DNC did not do a very good job of cleaning up their own cybersecurity. The well, Republicans the DNC, were much the,
4: better. The DNC refused to participate in the investigation that was taking place at the time by handing over their hard drives uh, to the FBI. So the DNC was standing athwart justice and, and the fact-finding that's necessary uh, for any prosecution to determine what actually happened before it b- figures out whether or not there was a crime there that can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury. It, but but here is something I think very, very troubling, and that is that we now know Vladimir Putin, through his cat's paws, hired Fusion GPS to attack the Magnitsky uh, regime of sanctions uh, that has imposed a lot of personal financial difficulty on Putin and others in his clique running Russia. That's number 1, step 1. And they did a lot of horrible things including trying to get the, the insinuate themselves into the Trump campaign. Number 2, Hillary Clinton, it now is clear, hired Fusion GPS. She hired the Vladimir Putin PR firm to buy campaign handouts. And Fusion GPS then created the ham- campaign handouts and they came up with this so-called dossier And they dressed it up with a Brit who has an accent and acts like he's a member of parliament or who knows what. Mr. Steele. Mr. Christopher Steele. And that, that campaign handout then went from Fusion GPS, the hired gun from Vladimir Putin's operation, went into the government of the United States. It went into the White House. It went into the Department of Justice. It went into the FBI. And this, Patrick, is why people do not trust these institutions. But again, but no, and, but, and hold but on. no, There
0: was. there was a stop along the way. Where it stopped off into the Washington Beacon,
4: right? There is okay. a, dis- and they were, and looking. You're, you're, you're beyond. You're, you're in uh, December of 2016. I'm still in September uh, and October. Okay. And what is most disturbing to me is that we don't know, as American citizens today, if that so-called, uh, if that, if that campaign handout that Hillary bought from Fusion GPS, Vladimir Putin's PR firm, we don't know if that handout actually served. As a predicate for FISA surveillance of other Americans, including the Trump Donald Trump, what do you Trump think, campaign.
0: Patrick? What, what do you think of the of the the question that well, was just raised I, I, here?
3: These are all interesting comments. I, 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 what's disturbing to me about them is that it, it, it. What's disturbing to me about them is that it seems to be being raised as somehow, um, some sort of counterpoint to the issue of whether or not the Trump campaign uh was was uh involved with the Russians. And my, my view on that again, I'm just an old prosecutor, but my view on that is that it's never been a defense to a crime to say, well somebody else committed another crime. Or maybe they committed the same crime. Or maybe they committed a crime before I committed my crime. Um what if, crime if what let him, <laughs> him crime? let him finish. See this is, the problem. Let him finish. this is the problem. The problem is you don't have uh, a let crime him to finish.
0: Point <laughs> to. Let him finish. <laughs>
3: The point is is that uh, the Mueller investigation is looking into whether one potential type of crime happened. And if there are other crimes that people feel should be looked into, then they should be. Uh, with a Republican Congress and a Republican president, I, I, I'm not sure why it would be if I could finish, why it would be so hard to get another investigation going with somebody that other people might like better than Mr. Mueller. But the point is, is that my only point is this. I, I make no judgment on any of the things that have been said about this fusion document. Um, but I, I do make this point, that when I hear people talking about that as some sort of rebuttal or some sort of way of undermining the Mueller – and I do, and I'm not saying here tonight, but I've Thank heard you. it many Thank times. You. <laughs> That's why – you're welcome. Uh, the, the point is, is that it has often been raised in the media as some sort of a rebuttal to the Mueller
4: investigation, look, which I don't think it is. Look, it, it – I I believe this stuff has got to be vouchsafed to the American people. And I think that the Mueller thing has got to be seen in the context of Mueller's personal history and that of a guy nobody's ever heard of named Andrew Weissman, who used to be the head of the so-called ethics department at the Obama uh, Justice Department. And then a a guy named Rod Rosenstein, who was the U.S. attorney in Maryland. Now, there was a – nobody wants to hear this, and I'm just going to go real quick. There was a one-company crime wave that took place out of Bethesda, Maryland, in 2009 and 2010, it was the, the investigation. We had a confidential informant, we, the United States of America, had a con- confidential informant who was participating in this with the knowledge of Mueller's FBI. And when it came time to prosecute that, that story and that all of that evidence was suppressed so that Hillary Clinton and the reset and Barack Obama could have. Putin for the reset it is impossible for Mueller to view anything involving Russia today and the Clintons without knowing of his own personal stake in the outcome one, of that investigation one Therefore, other, he's conflicted therefore he has to go
0: one other one other point here because you've tried to bury him a couple of times tonight one other point that is a common denominator is whether it is the Clinton campaign looking for dirt on Donald Trump and hiring someone to come up with a dossier or Donald Trump or his sons or somebody going to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. It is not surprising and no one should be shocked that anyone running for political office will try to have their operatives get dirt on the opposition. That's politics 101. You do that. So the, 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 the point that both sides did it may very well be the case that maybe both sides did do it. Now, the dossier, I want to be clear, I want to get a clarification. The dossier, when we talk about the Steele dossier, in your view, uh, Joe, what is the Steele dossier, in your view? Can you explain to the audience what you think that
2: means? The Steele dossier appears to be a bundle of allegations about Donald Trump. uh, accusing him of a variety of personal and business related uh, uh sins including interestingly enough the sin of collusion with the russian government so he, he, this is the, we're, we're playing a game of mirrors here where it appears that in I, if if you follow this trail to the end that the russian government in an effort to discredit the entire american political system which has been their aim for decades including in the in the era of the Soviet Union, uh, using many of the same people and the same apparatuses uh, to achieve these ends, um, s- seemed to be trying to create an atmosphere where it it appeared that Donald Trump and other American politicians of both parties w- w- had some subterranean connections with the uh, with the Russian government that were worthy of investigation. Is this that is this the
0: dossier also again the one that got most of the publicity? Is this the salacious one? that references prostitutes in hotel rooms and and, and
2: bizarre sexual activity. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. It's it's a grab bag of all kinds of stuff. Which has zero proof. It has
0: zero proof, but in popular culture, Mm -hmm. it has picked up a life of its own. It's part of the constant personal character assassination on, on Donald Trump. Accusing him of things that there is no evidence that he ever did, we, we must but it's
5: out there in This, the, this is questions. a paid product are we of the at Clinton. anywhere? Yeah. Huh? It, I, are I'm we not looking saying at treason no. anywhere.
2: I think we're way away from, from yeah. that. Well, okay. let, me, let me let me let
3: me say a couple of things. First of all, I, here's one prediction I'll make: no one is going to be indicted for collusion. That's because collusion is not a crime. Uh, the The issue about getting dirt on opponents is is I think not really the point. The, the legal it's not the legal point the legal point uh, is if you get something of value and you don't declare it on your uh, your uh, campaign financing uh, reporting mm-hmm. reports that that's a problem that could be a crime um, and if you lie about what you did to get dirt uh, that's a problem and if the entity you're trying to get dirt from happens to be a foreign hostile nation I think that raises some problems so your your point is very well taken that everybody tries to get dirt and your point's very well taken that since time immemorial foreign nations have tried to influence our elections and we've tried to influence theirs and that's all well and good but
0: that's not
3: really I think what the real issue today is the real issue today is
0: whether laws were broken well, well you're you're talking about the the. The court of judicial opinion. Yes. I'm also talking about the court of public opinion. And and the, the, the dossier, which includes this scurrilous uh, references to Donald Trump and what he did, that is in the popular culture. Late-night comedians talk about it all the time. Saturday Night Live did a whole segment about it. I mean, the, 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 the smearing of Donald Trump based on what was in those things. And we now know that the, that dossier... The fingerprints of that dossier go right back to Hillary Clinton. They don't, now the Russians may have helped, and the Russians also, by the way, the Russians also may have helped in smearing Hillary Clinton on the uranium deal. They want to get bad, they want to get something to hide over both of their heads. But the Donald Trump campaign... Bruce Dumont wow. back in Chicago thanks very much for joining us I want to spend just a moment uh, one of our guests is Hermaine uh, Hartman she is the publisher of Endigo, which is a, a leading magazine here in the Chicagoland area and Hermaine, uh, you've been at this for this is your this is your baby how many years have you been working on this magazine 28 years, 28 years.
5: so that book is 28 years in the making. this is 28 Holy years
0: <laughs> we're gonna, I'm gonna hold this which book up. Chris remember I was there at the this, is, th- this <laughs> is a this is a new book oh it's beautiful. This is about a hundred and ten leading figures, African American figures in the history of Chicago. Most temporary
5: of whom, history,
0: t- temporary history, a so new the, history. Many book. of them are all alive, but again, uh, this talks about the richness. And, and for those listening around the country, we, we try not to talk too much about Chicago-related activities uh, because we think it's to some people it may be viewed as parochial. But when you talk about national politics and you talk about African Americans' involvement in national politics, it isn't just hometown flag-waving to say that whether it's Jesse Jackson or Harold Washington or uh, or Barack Obama, uh, that they all came from Chicago. You can throw Carol Mosley-Braun in there as well and other figures. But, I mean, there would not have been a president... Barack Obama without a mayor Harold Washington it's it's i don't think anybody would disagree with that so this book is is a compilation of interviews beautiful photographs. i mean it's an incredibly beautiful book Thank you. and it talks about uh, the the contemporary history of African-Americans in Chicago many of whom have uh, national links including Valerie Jarrett and people went on to become uh, major Johnson? players
5: John 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 Johnson no John magazine Where right? can i get one IndigoLegacy.com. Okay. Real easy. Okay. Now let me let me write
0: that down. Let me. What is that again? Let me write Indigo that down. Indigo Legacy. Indigo Legacy You can buy it. So you don't product. mind if we, we could even superimpose that under your name as you say
2: Absolutely, it. Absolutely, you can. spelled N D I G
5: O. That's right. It's a, it, it that's is, a new uh, way of spelling.
2: It too.
0: is, and it's it comes in a beautiful package and a certificate. It, it's it's wonderful. So and it
5: talks about Chicago and some of the things that Chicago is nationally known for: for clergy, for politics, right. for, politics right. for media. Right, um, it's and a there are book. And, and it also it's talks indispensable about
4: indispensable if you want to understand. It talks if you, want, if you want if you want. You're in, right. Yeah.
5: Yes, and for black, that's just that's black exactly enterprise. right for black yeah, Most
0: important of exactly right. I mean, Chicago and and the relationship with African Americans. Uh, there's a lot of things that Chicago can be proud of, and there are a lot of things that Chicago should not be very proud of. We need a new our, narrative, our and this
5: provides a new narrative. The race. violence is going on, indeed, but that's not all. We have not
0: heard too much about crime in Chicago. Is it not happening, or is it just no longer? On the front pages and on the front page of the newspapers anyway.
5: We've become passe.
3: Well, Patrick, We've become well, passe I know about the, about I know what the Chicago Police Department representative, if if she or he were here, would say. It's going they, down. They will. Yeah, they they have statistics that show that over the last uh, two weeks ago, you, of you of had of a school
5: teacher. She and her husband are going to dinner, and she was shot in the head. You've got CTA crime, so it may be going down, but. You've got these incidents that are happening that people are living in fear. Today's paper, Tribune, you talked about hijacking. You talked about people getting robbed in their garages and in front of their houses, uh, in their cars. This crime in this city is absolutely terrible. And is
0: is there anything, Patrick? Because the, the last couple of times you've been on here, uh, during the campaign, right after when – Donald Trump was president-elect, you offered uh, uh, several suggestions as to how the Justice Department could be used to come in here and make a difference in the in the mass murders and killings that we were having here, or mass shootings, I should say, and and, and, and murders. Uh, has anything happened since Donald Trump has been elect uh, elected? Has anything changed in the way that the city is policed or or prosecutors act differently. I know there's been, he talked about sending in, you know, the Federals, but he was unclear yeah, about
3: I, it. I, I, I don't want to cause Chris to pass out, but I'm going to say something nice about the Trump administration. Oh. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think after they came in, uh, Attorney General Sessions did announce that they were going to uh, increase uh, manpower into the city from agencies like DEA, et cetera, to beef up an already existing unit uh, targeting guns and gangs uh, in Chicago. Um, and I think that's a good thing. That's that that's definitely a good thing. But I don't think it's enough. I, I think that the magnitude of the problem demands more than an extra 15 people because that's really what you're talking about. Those, those folks are, are great people and they do tremendous work, but 15 people ain't going to cut it. That our problem is too big, and and as I've said on your show before, Bruce, I think that what what's required is really we have to treat this the way we treat a natural a natural disaster. You know, uh, when 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 the hurricane hit Puerto Rico, uh, we didn't say, well, you know what, we're going to send you fifteen extra sanitation guys. Uh, we, what what we did is we mounted a nat- a massive federal uh, response response. And that's, I think, what we need. We, we should have DOJ attorneys who are now in Washington doing other things, being assigned to Chicago. We should have new agencies created. There, sh- there is a dedicated group of prosecutors in this city, but they've got a lot to do. And they have to do a lot of different things, and they have to be expert at a lot of different things. And I, I, I hate to draw on my own anecdotal experience, but when we went after the mob, the, way, the reason we got the mob finally in New York City is because I and a lot of other people – that's all we did for years on end. We didn't do any other kind of case.
2: That's what we need in Chicago.
0: Quick answer, Joe. Is that a good idea? That's a start. i assistant attorney general.
2: That's a start. Okay. There are a lot of things that should be done at the local level, too. A lot of things. And you're not going to hear much about them prior to 2019 when we have the next mayoral election.
0: Joe Morris, Chris Roebling, Romaine Hartman, Patrick Cotter, thank you all for being with us. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is a Gene production. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman and Dan Dorfman and Sam Greenberg for the assistance of the production of this program. Until next week, good night from Chicago.